morning. Are you ready for the end of the world? Sure. <laughs> we're listening to a show about... What are we about? I think we're about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. The end of the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit. Well, hopefully you're listening. Otherwise, you're kind of messed up if you have this on and you're not listening to us. Yeah, you could be saying, oh, what's that noise in the background? Where's that coming from? Yeah, this is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Trisong. And hopefully... have a special guest in here and I was testing the mic there real quick. Um, I actually invited you on before I found out how controversial <laughs> your show is. I just thought it was a very interesting and out-of-the-box show. Um, let me see if I can make um, self-portraits, like portraits of unruly women. Is that exactly it? Or yeah, it's uh, a series of 26 portraits of women that I collaborated with to make these portraits. And I use a mugshot aesthetic, a criminal aesthetic, um, as the support of my work. And I basically just uh, collaborated with these women and um, got to know them and found out about how they felt they've been labeled or stereotyped or defined as women. And I used that um, in the image to explore those issues and also to kind of mock those and use parody. And those are really important vehicles for me because humor has always been really important. So. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing a few of your um, ones, well, months back, and I was just like, well, the thing I liked the best was the women got to kind of pick their character. Right. It was very important to me, instead of doing, like, Cindy Sherman, who's a well-known photographer, um, a set of self-portraits, which really just magnify my own experiences with being labeled or stereotyped. Instead, I wanted to have a diversity of experiences. So that's why I chose women and wanted to um, find out about their experiences. So. Now, do you want to talk anything about the controversy? Because I've been out of town, and I just come back in, and I happen to mention to someone that I was having you on as a guest and that they could sh should go see the show. And they're like, oh, it's been in the papers. Right. The chancellor, me, yes. the chancellor came out against it. What happened? Well, first let me say where the show's at and that <laughs> the closing reception is tomorrow, Saturday, from 3 to 7 at um, University Campus um, in the Fainer Building, North End, at the University Museum, the so Atrium Gallery. So it's like the main museum at the university. Right, and Ooh. it's an open reception. Please come out and see the work. Uh, and join the dialogue. I'd love to hear from people and what they think. Isn't it open now, though, also? It's open, yeah. It's right. been up since the 19th, um, and I'll be taking it down next Wednesday. So essentially, you could go Tuesday as well. Um, and the controversy, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> quite a surprise. So the the show as an, entire, as an entirety is not was not the issue. It was one pose on a, a lineup banner that h hangs from outside the museum. And um, the banner was placed up a, a Thursday, and the following Monday it was forcibly removed. 
Um, I just happened to find out it because I went to the museum to post something. And your banner was down. My banner was coming down. I oh, you actually got there when it was coming down. Yeah, I just like it was <laughs> like fate. So I was there and. What are you doing to my banner? Yeah, it was it was quite a shock. I wasn't sure quite what was going on because no one had spoke with me directly about why it was coming down. So it was all like fourth party, but. I was basically told by museum management that he was told through the chancellor's office that um, either they take it down or someone will be sent over to remove it forcibly. Wow. And um, That's harsh language. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, gallery manager... Well, what did you think? I mean... Well, I, I felt a little violated, and I didn't, I didn't understand what the... This is your heart and soul. This is your show. Yeah, it's a part of me. I felt like it's part of my work. I've labored over this and worked with these women, and I placed so much importance on this. It's a part of me, and it's now being ripped down. So I thought the value of my work and the message I was trying to get out and the content of work was being devalued. Uh, no one even and no one even talked to me about it to say this is the what was wrong with it. I had sure what the issue was, right. but no one said specifically this is the issue. I didn't even know if it was about um, some sort of violation of, of building codes. I had no clue. Right. So until the next day when I sought a meeting out with the chancellor. So you sought it out. They didn't. Nobody came and told you at all. You had to go find out on your own. Right. The next morning, I called first thing, set up a, a appointment. And I was also instructed to bring the banner with me. Um, so, and it was kind of hilarious. And in this conference room, myself and my committee, which is three other three professors, had to unroll this 31 and a quarter foot banner <laughs> in a small <laughs> office and hold it for the chancellor to view. Wait, so, they just went around the whole yeah, office? Yeah, almost like circumference the <laughs> chancellor, the oh. conference table. So, so that was humorous. Yeah. So, so if he didn't like it, he would have really freaked out. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't crawl under the table or anything. Um, he even commented during the, um, the meeting that he liked my work. So, but had he seen it? I mean, uh, from well, he never said specifically. Oh, I went over there and saw it. But the fact that I had to bring the banner to him, and then he also asked about the content of my show, inside and outside, uh -huh. made me think he never saw the show at all or saw the banner at all. So, has he seen it since then that you know of? I don't know about the work inside the museum. I have no confirmation on that either way. But I know he saw the banner because <laughs> I held it up for him in his office. So. And he still said you had to take it down? Uh, I had to make a compromise, basically. For me as an artist, the most important part was my work was back up. It was an integral part of my show. Um, and I wanted it back up in the place I designed it to be hung, where I designed it to be installed, which was hanging outside of the building. Um, one of my heavy influences were the Gorilla Girls, who use public displays of art and guerrilla tactics to um, for critical issues about women's role in media and the arts. And so that was inspiration. It was very important that it was out for the public to view. Uh, so and in this case, even more so because it had been censored. Right. So the fact that I had to compromise, you know, was something I had to, I guess, do which what I thought was best for me as the artist and for the work. And so it was placed back up with a black piece of cloth over the fending. You can pick aspects. up the cloth? Can you pick up the cloth? Yeah, the cloth was sewn, <laughs> so it, fl it fluttered in the wind. The Maryland oh, that's even stuff. worse. It's, it's right. your, It makes your imagination work overtime. And I also placed a large censor with red uh, vinyl letters across uh, the, the black skirt as well, just uh -huh. so that 
viewers going by, the public going by, knows the issue at heart and what actually happened, and that this was not, this was not a piece, this was not a part of the piece as I originally designed it. The piece was actually the, the offending part for those out there is um, there's it's a police lineup and one of the women is mooning the camera. Half of her butt is oh, exposed. Oh, I was going to say completely. No, only half of her butt is exposed. Well, that's not mooning. And it's pixelated. Oh. Because the reason I pixelated was one, because um, it's a criminology and police theme to my work and I wanted to hint at how the female body is portrayed in mass media and shows like cops. They try to hide it. Yeah. Right, it's pixelated and just how your body, how the human body is censored on television and nightly news. So, yeah. Yeah, so then even though it was pixelated and even though it was only half exposed, they it still... It was too much. It was still too much. <laughs> Those two unruly humps were too much. You were saying that there was a uh, cartoon in the local paper that actually portrayed something even more skinned. Right. It, it was in the Daily Egyptian, and I believe it was... Sometime I last week. Sometime last week. And um, the cartoon had <laughs> several different figures. One was the car old copper tone ad with the little girl with her bottoms being pulled down by the jog chasing her. And that's actually pulled down more than in your picture? Uh, or I about the same? relatively the same. And it's, it's interesting because that is on children's sunblock bottles. Yeah. You know, so True, yeah. And essentially... What you see or don't see in the banner is much less than what you see when you're walking through your local mall and you're going by lingerie shops and um, other stores, or what you see on television, what you see on Vanity Fair, uh, glossy magazines. Well, most ads, yeah. Right. So this, like, in this image, the woman is using her body as a political stance, as a form of defiance, rather than using her body to be sexualized and consumed by the, the gaze of the viewer. Uh -huh. So my my thought is, was it the offending the nudity or partial pixelated nudity that was so offensive, or was it this woman's act of taking control of her body and making a statement with her body? Yeah, so that she actually had control of her, well, nudity. Right. And yeah. the reason I chose this image of this woman mooning the camera is just imagine some of the crimes that the women with their mugshots are charged with are um, self-respect and pride, hysteria, women's rage, um, strong black woman. So imagine you're an individual and you're arrested. Another one is flying white Muslim. So imagine you're arrested for these crimes <laughs> and you're placed in front, of, get your mugshot done and now you're in a police lineup. What if you could do anything if you were un- tamed, if you're unruly, what would you do at the moment that shutter was released? And I think one thing would be is, that would be my initial reaction, would be maybe to moon the camera, maybe to make a mocking face, maybe to yell something out. Uh -huh. So that's what I wanted to capture, with those acts of defiance that women experience every day. Yeah, I never understood how criminals could be a criminal and then stand there to get their picture taken, like... Stand here, turn right, take your picture, and they let they do it. I mean, it's like once you're caught, you are now well, complacent. you're labeled and stereotyped <laughs> and defined, and that's why this was a really important vehicle to my work about how women experience that on a daily basis, but also how they defy that. So, well, I want to thank you very much. Thank you for <laughs> having <laughs> me on. I really appreciate it. Um, Thanks for coming in. Yeah, the show yeah. is at the University Museum on the in Fainer. And it will be up till 
well, you can see it through Tuesday, but the closing reception is... Saturday from 3 to 7. Please come out and join the celebration. The celebration. The celebration of unruly women. I love it. Well, that was good. How are we going to follow that? I don't know. It's a pretty <laughs> cathartic to follow. Yeah. <laughs> so you are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. I'm Ord Energymon. And this is Treesong. And we want to let you know of a few happenings. Well, besides the, the Unruly Women show, yes. <laughs> um, today, I'm told, is the critical mass. It is the last Friday of every month, and yes, it is the last Friday of August. <laughs> Critical Mass in front of the Student Center starting at 5 p.m., and I understand there's usually over 100 people in the Critical Mass. Yeah. That... It keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, I might... <coughs> well, we'll see if I have time. I might actually... I'm riding my bike around a lot in around town now. Yeah. And um, it's kind of scary in a lot of places, because cars do not allow you... Um, room. Yeah. I mean, they treat you as non-existent sometimes. Yeah, I've I've been riding my bike and a car like whipped by like within you know inches. Yeah. And the thing is, is even if they're a foot away, they're turbulence. The airflow yeah. almost knocks me off my bike. So, all right, critical mass empowering bicyclists to well, pretty much take over the street like <laughs> they're legally supposed to. <coughs> Yes, so other happenings, we've been mentioning this one uh, regularly now, the uh, Habitat for Humanity. Uh, they will be working this Saturday. They'll be finishing the deck and the front porch, and they'll be doing some yard work, and they'll also be doing uh, painting, too. So everybody who's interested in that uh, has the opportunity to help this Saturday. And where's that at again? Um, it's on Oak Street. Um, I always forget. It's like... <laughs> it's like it's on East Oak. Right, it's like three something East Oak. Yeah. And there's a big sign there and they're just finishing up now. They're just doing yard work and painting and finishing the deck. So this is almost your last chance to 
participate and help building a house for someone who really needs a house. Yeah. And then I've got a long list of stuff that's happening at the Interface Center, or Gaia House. Uh, Campus Unitarian Universalists meet and greet and eat. Well, that was last oh. night. Oh, yeah, that one already happened. Yeah, better, better be careful here. <laughs> um, well, there was a meditation at 5.50 this morning. Missed that one, too. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, I, I'd like to mention the one that, that happens Thursdays that... You may have missed this Thursday, but next Thursday, the Student Environmental Center. Um, I missed it this week, but I heard it went really well, and I'm excited to uh, get back in the action there. Uh, Student Environmental Center meets every Thursday at 8 p.m. at the Interfaith Center, uh, 913 South Illinois. And today at noon, the Brown Bag Bioneers lunch video and discussion. Today will be Jay Harmon designing the next Golden Age a progress report. Again, that's noon to 1 p.m. today at um, Interface Center Gaia House. Yes, and another event there is uh, CODA, the Codependence Anonymous. They're meeting on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. at the Interface Center. And then uh, Sunday morning, well, every Sunday, the Quaker meeting, they meet at 10 a.m. And also on Sunday, the Grove of Southern Illinois, and that's at 2 p.m., Yes, and I'm involved in that group. It's we, yes, we during the summer we would meet uh, every other Sunday or at not as frequently, but now at the fall is here we're meeting every Sunday again. And then also on Sunday, discussion group Bible study, and that's at 7 p.m. And these are all events at the Interface Center. It's one of the, I would say, truly community centers in town. It covers all aspects of all different. Everything. I mean, if you notice, this is a bunch of very diverse groups. Yeah. Like on Monday, every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Swade with the Southern Illinois West African Drum Ensemble. There's a big drumming group. They practice, they play, and every once in a while, someone shows up and dances. <laughs> yeah. You know, people want to dance, and um, people ride by and slow down really because their drumming is really intense. Yeah. Yeah, the Interfaith Center, which is now in the process of becoming the Guy House, uh, it's one of the reasons I stayed in Southern Illinois, because it helped me to connect to all the exciting community groups in our region, and there are a lot of diverse, you know, activities going on there, so it's an exciting place. It's my home away from home. And the thing that's <laughs> exciting for me is the new um, internationally flavored dinner series featuring recipes prepared by students from around the world. That'll be on Fridays at 6 p.m., and it's called Rice and Spice. <laughs> and so, um, I don't know, I just think it's it's better than a potluck. It's like a slow food dinner with an international flavor. And, um, <laughs> you know, different students from around the world come up with recipes, and then people show up and help them cook them. So, I really like that idea. And then today and every... Friday, from 3 to 5 p.m., there's the International Coffee Hour. It's kind of hard to say coffee hours, because it's really two hours. Yeah. And that's on SIU in the Northwest Annex on Building B. Come and be part of the international community. Yeah, well, maybe they call it the coffee hour, because, you know, only maybe an hour of that is worth the coffee and the snacks, and the rest is 
the talk, the dialogue, you know, getting to meet people. Exactly. So you get an hour of coffee and two hours of fun. <laughs> yeah. Which, which is packing three hours into two hours, so that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a way to maximize your time. Yeah. <coughs> and today, at the Big Muddy <laughs> IMC at 214 North Washington, hmm. big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. Big easy to big empty. There's a lot of bigs. Uh, yes, very big day today. <laughs> <laughs> big easy to big empty. The film featuring Greg Palast on New Orleans, followed by discussion with uh, Paula Bradshaw. Again, that's <coughs> today at 7 p.m. at 214 North Washington Street in Carbondale. It's going to be a really big show. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like your happenings to, well, happen, you have to send them to the happening guys. In case you didn't know, that happens to be us. Yes. <laughs> on your community spirit. Um, I just forgot my email. Info oh. at yourcommunityspirit.org. Yes, and my email is treesong at treesong.org. And you don't have to, but it always helps if you put radio in the uh, subject line of your email. Yeah. Because I'm not often on Thursday night or more realistically Friday morning. I'll look in my inbox and type radio and see what comes up. There you go. Um, should we talk about a little bit of news? I think we've got time for a little bit of news. This week was the Democratic National Convention. Yes. And so that's what most people are talking about. And, um, <coughs> but interestingly enough, there are other things that are happening. Yeah, you mean that's not the only thing happening in the world well, right now? Just a bunch of people making speeches about things they might do. I mean, I really like it how they're having people speak on Obama's behalf, telling things he's going to do that he doesn't have to do because he didn't say them. Yeah. That's like, <laughs> I don't know, I like playing the, the advocate for other people also. So, uh -huh. McKinney on the record. Green Party presidential can candidate Cynthia McKinney talks. As the Democrats gear up and do their convention this week, Cynthia McKinney wants you to know that they're not, that is not the most progressive game in town. The Green Party presidential candidate says that her party is the one that's truly dedicated to social justice and ecological wisdom. McKinney sums up her philosophy on energy with a simple rhyme. Leave the oil in the soil. <laughs> As she tells in an interview, quote, Right now we've got two energy policies in this country. One is war, the other is drilling, and neither one of them works. End quote. It's a, ho it's a message she hopes will win over voters who are, have tired of both Democratic and Republican parties. The Demo Public... <laughs> no. Demo Public Republicrat. Republicrat. <coughs> I heard I heard a speech. I'm mean not a speech. I heard a, a saying this week. We don't want more of the mix same. <laughs> yeah, more of the mix same. Yeah. Yes. So. McCain has a lot of nicknames now, <laughs> yeah. and he'll get more as the election progresses. Yep. So, <laughs> um, we'll see. I think it's an exciting time. <laughs> so let's see another happenings. <coughs> we can mention a little bit more of election news here. Uh, you've got a visible party line. I do? <laughs> GOP platform acknowledges human-caused climate change 
and leaves out Anmar drilling. Wait, what? <laughs> they forgot something. They forgot the most important part. <laughs> uh, the Republican platform for 2008, hammered out by the RNC ahead of it, the party's convention, is mildly greener than in 2004, making it, quote, the greenest platform we've ever had, according to a member of the committee. It acknowledges uh, humans' role in climate change, but still takes digs at the issue and only supports solutions where no one has to alter their lifestyle. Quote, the same human activity that has brought freedom and opportunity to billions has also increased the amount of carbon in the atmosphere, it says. However, solutions should not force Americans to sacrifice their way of life or trim their hopes and dreams for their children. Uh, so, it's somewhat exciting news from the GOP. They've decided to do less uh, eco-destruction. And straight to the source on that, the Washington Post, Associated Press, and other people too. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll end with uh, maybe a humorous story. Hopefully. <laughs> Waste is a terrible thing to mine. Or is it? High oil prices in the future could spur plastic mining from dump sites. <laughs> That's right. Sustained high oil prices on into the future could prompt entrepreneurs and scavengers, I guess there's a thin line between the two, <laughs> to seek oil and oil derivatives from plastic items long ago thrown away in landfills, according to waste experts. Quote, by 2020, we might have uh, 9 billion people on the planet, and we could be in a really resource-hungry world with the oil price climbing in a supply situation where natural gas is limited said waste management guru Peter Jones. It is these drivers, these conditions, which will encourage the possibility of landfill mining. <laughs> now, there's actually people who, they don't, they do um, landfill archaeology. Yeah. <laughs> where they dig it up and look back in our time. Yeah, to and, study. And it's not that hard to do because most of the stuff in the landfill is in perfect shape. Yeah. Yeah, because in that anaerobic environment, it just gets, like, preserved, like, in a vacuum. <laughs> exactly. I've actually heard stories of, like, a, one such archaeologist found, like, a piece of meat that had been wrapped in a newspaper from, I don't know, the 60s or the 70s, and, you know, the meat was still there, and the newspaper was still there. <laughs> Did they cook it and eat it? <laughs> Probably not, but you never know. They're an adventurous bunch. Yeah. Experts estimate that just in Britain, some 200 million tons of old plastic could be potentially recovered from landfills for recycling or conversion into fuel. At today's prices, such a bounty would be worth some $110 billion. Quote, once plastic is in a landfill site, it is pretty much sits there doing nothing. And the beauty of that is you're going to go back and recapture it in the future, said Peter. The beauty of it... <laughs> The, the dark irony of it, I think, is what he yeah, wants to say. Like, this is a recycling company guy, Peter Mills of Recycler New Earth Solutions, yeah. uh, the straight-to-the-source Reuters. The <laughs> that was their plan all along. Yeah. We would have lots of disposable goods. They take the oil out of the earth, put it into plastic, uh -huh. and then we could store it for future use. Yeah, it's a plastic sequestration. <laughs> exactly. That was the idea. They wanted you to buy a lot of plastic and dispose of it so we could have a future energy source. Yeah. I'm picturing some, like, you Nobody know... Nobody planned that. They couldn't yeah. be. That would be... It's funny to think about that. I'm picturing some brilliant inventor in the 50s saying, oh, 
I must invent a, a bunch of disposable plastic goods so that we have renewable fuel in the future. <laughs> yeah, he's like, in the future we won't have the technology to take oil out of the land, but we'll have the technology to recycle. Yeah. <laughs> so how can I make sure that we have enough oil on top of the earth to make it so we can power our future? Yeah. Oh wait, that's solar. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been a, a, another exciting, hopefully, informative well, again, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> half hour of your community spirit. We hope to see you on the radio yes. next week. Next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs> oh, you've been suckered. <laughs> bat time, bat channel. You calling DBX a comic book radio, huh? We could aspire to be the heroes of comic books. <laughs> I want to remind everybody, I am an oil addict.org. Yes, Break Your Addiction. Break Your Addiction, 12-step program for oil addicts. Stay energized. That's a threat. <laughs> That's a promise.